I am Wesley Poon with TP Farms in Waller, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Hope you had a great Easter weekend. We got another episode of Texas Ag Today ready to roll for you, so jump on in, buckle up. Let's take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, we've seen grain prices through the roof thanks to the Russia-Ukraine war. And of course, it's great to have those high prices if you can get a bid. We're hearing that a lot of farmers are having trouble getting bids right now with all of this volatility in the market. We'll have that story coming up. Plus, we'll check in with one of the top agricultural lobbyists in Washington, D.C., Tom Sell is a native of the Texas Panhandle, so he knows exactly what it takes to survive in Texas agriculture. We asked him about what can be done in Washington to help farmers with all of this volatility and uncertainty, and he had one very straightforward answer. We'll bring that to you coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. With our ongoing drought in the Texas High Plains, we obviously have some very dry soil. And when our winds get blowing, some of the soil is getting blown away from our farms. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. The outlook for the 2022 cotton crop looks promising with acres planted on an upswing, but the question still remains as to what the weather will do in West Texas and on the High Plains. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. A lot of things in the news here in Texas lately, and many of them are having an impact on farmers and ranchers. Hello, I'm Barry Mahler, and I have the story in today's report. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. The wheat market made another surge toward $12 a bushel last week, and while those prices are great, they don't do much good if farmers can't get bids on their crop. Russell Williams grows wheat in the northwest Texas panhandle near Dalhart, and he says he's had trouble getting a bid since the Russia-Ukraine war started. You know, it's interesting. So $12 wheat's great, but that's the board price. And so I had tried to price some recently, and, um, you know, we couldn't get bids. We couldn't get bids to buy it. So, like, I can get it stored, but not, not necessarily get it sold at those prices. Robert Gordon farms in the same area, and he says he's heard the same thing. I've been hearing a few spots where guys are having a hard time getting a bid from local elevators on some commodities. And, uh, you know, with everything being so volatile with what's going on in Ukraine, of course, and uh, it's kind of got the world in a turned over right now. And it looks like the volatility will continue in the wheat market as the Russian invasion of Ukraine 
Ukraine continues. And as that conflict continues, questions continue to come up about what can be done to help American farmers deal with all of this uncertainty. We asked that question to Texas native Tom Sell with the Washington lobbying firm Combast Sell and Associates. He says one of the biggest things the government can do right now to help farmers is to stop penalizing the oil industry. Well, there are also always some very significant cost components on a farmer's balance sheet. One of those is energy. So a situation like this really volatilizes it. So you see the extremes. I would love to see some policy uh, come out of this where, where we do better shore up our domestic productive capacity on Let's just call it petroleum energy. I mean, this will be good for ethanol. This will be good good for a lot of the renewable energies. All that's fine. But we also need to make sure that we can take care of our core. You know, the, the, the diesel and gasoline and oil that this nation runs on fundamentally. We've got to make sure and we, we, that we shore up that supply. Another thing the government could do would be to eliminate tariffs on fertilizer imports. There are calls right now to uh, eliminate some of the tariffs that we have on on incoming fertilizer that are designed to protect our domestic industry. We'd love to have a a regulatory regime in the United States that would allow for a a greater development of a domestic uh, source of fertilizer. But those kind of issues are tough, and and they're they're the culmination of a lot of years. So this perspective that we get in this time of of real volatility can actually be used to make some good policy decisions that would have a long-term impact. That's where we're trying to focus the the attention in Washington. Tom Sell with Combest Sell and Associates. The ongoing drought combined with high winds is causing plenty of soil loss on the Texas High Plains. James Hunt tells us he's seeing a lot of dusty days in the Texas panhandle. Texas A&M AgriLife agronomist Calvin Trossel has another example of how the drought is impacting the region. I attribute some of these more frequent dirt days that we've had in the Texas High Plains this year to the fact that a lot of our dryland wheat crop is basically non-existent. Some of the wheat that was planted for cover crop on cotton has not grown, and so we've got, I would estimate, as many as 2 million acres in the Texas High Plains from the Oklahoma border to south of Lubbock that are bare at this time because otherwise we would have had something growing out there. It's just been too dry. The 2 million acres Dr. Trossel referred to represents roughly one-fourth of the cropland in the Texas High Plains. That dirt darkening our skies is a precious resource. Although, thankfully, we're not talking about wind erosion on a massive scale. In most cases, it's not a major loss, but our our topsoil is probably the most valuable part of our soil. That's where we have more organic matter. That's where we're more likely to have more nutrients. You know, certainly we have nothing going on right now compared to the Dust Bowl. That's to be clear about that. But anytime you have soil moving around like this, again, your topsoil, it's more of an issue with sandy soils. You might say, well, is it sand? Sand particles are bigger than the dust particles of the clay. They are, but they have a, a tendency to detach and blow. And so the, just overall, the what you see with some producers have done is actually, in, in a few cases, some tillage to try to rough that soil up to keep it from blowing. Dr. Trossel points out that much of the region has received only about one-third of normal rainfall in the months since October, an issue compounded on the days when winds are kicking up around 50 miles an hour or more. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Farmers are expected to plant more cotton this year, both nationwide and here in Texas. Tom Nicoletti has the story. 
The latest uh, U.S. Department of Agriculture prospective plantings uh, showing that all cotton in uh, the cotton belt across uh, the country is expected to be at 12.2 million acres, up 9% over 2021. Here in Texas, uh, 2022 upland cotton projected at 6.8 million acres, up about 5 million from 2021. Pima acreage, uh, 22,000 acres, up 5,000 from a year ago. And to talk more about all of this, I have Reese Langley with me as my guest. He is Vice President of Washington Operations with the National Cotton Council. And Reese, your take on all these numbers. Well, as you said, we're looking at cotton acres based on USDA's report that came out of an increase across the U.S. of about 1 million acres. And that's relatively close to what we had projected from our survey that came out in mid-February. And as you noted, about half of that increase is expected to be here in Texas. I think the big thing that everyone is watching so closely is the weather situation and the lack of moisture, particularly across West Texas, the High Plains, and, and many of those key central cotton growing areas. The concern is while a lot of acres may get planted, what is the moisture situation going to be in the next couple of months and what do we potentially see in the size of a crop that can actually be harvested? On the positive side, of course, cotton prices are very high at this time. Prices are very strong now, function of very strong consumer demand at the retail level for clothing and apparel as we continue to come out of some of the shutdowns and disruptions from COVID. Also, just global supply and demand with demand expected to outpace supply again this year for two years in a row. That is Reese Langley. He is with the National Cotton Council. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. There's a long list of things affecting Texas farmers right now. Barry Mahler takes a look at that list from North Central Texas. Well, what do we find at the top of the stack of news today as it affects agriculture? Is it the Black Sea War operations, tornadoes that swept across North Texas just a few weeks ago, wildfires that are occurring on a day-to-day basis, the expanding drought that has much of our state in its grips, supply chain problems or input costs? Yeah, I understand. You get it. The list is long, and everything on that list affects how we do business. Even though the war between Russia and Ukraine is devastating to those involved in it, it's affecting the world grain markets in a positive way is it'll take a large percentage of wheat and corn off the market for an unknown time, and that's supporting a higher world grain price right now. That's not good news for consumers, but for those of us that raise it, if we can raise a crop, it will be good. The only problem is Texas is suffering from the expanding drought, and it won't bring much benefit to farmers who can't raise any. That conflict and other events in the world are causing a shortage of input, such as chemicals and fertilizer, and pushing the cost of production even higher. So at the end of the day, you have higher grain prices raised with higher input costs. So even if a farmer is able to raise a crop, the profit margin will remain nearly the same. And the only thing that goes up is the risk and the frustration level. The shortage of supplies that we're experiencing is very frustrating to producers as we have always been able to make input decisions and purchase the needed materials from several different sources. I talk to farmers every day that are trying to get ready to plant spring crops that are having to shift things like weed control away from their original plan because it's just not available. Fertilizer is also not available in quantities that we'd like to have, and even those that you can get are priced so high, a lot of folks are saying, well, it doesn't really matter anyway. We can't hardly afford it. Now, while everything on our priority list is certainly of concern for everyone in our industry, I would say that the drought here in Texas is the big one. 
We've had some showers here in the eastern portion of the rolling plains, but not like we would normally see this time of the year. And the strong wind has dried it up very quickly. I've looked at a bunch of wheat fields the last few days. They're turning blue. They're withering. A lot of the acres have already been adjusted and won't be harvested. I saw my first dry pond yesterday, which means we will see an increase in cattle headed to market very soon. We've seen challenges before, and it seems just when you think it's never going to turn for the better, it always does. So we'll see farmers doing what they do. They'll tighten their seatbelts, and they'll hang on for the ride. This is Barry Mahler reporting from North Central Texas for Texas Ag Today. Losing a puppy right before weaning can be tough. Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Wildfires swept across central and west Texas in March, burning over 86,000 acres. Fires devoured pasture land and farmland, as well as livestock, homes, barns, and equipment. The Texas Farm Bureau West Texas Wildfire Relief Fund is ready to help. Farmers and ranchers with unreimbursed agricultural losses are encouraged to apply for assistance. Monetary contributions to the fund are also being accepted. Go to TexasFarmBureau.org to learn more. That's TexasFarmBureau.org. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Losing a puppy before weaning can be tough. Dr. Bob Judd takes a look at what may cause this. Fading puppy syndrome refers to puppies that do not survive to weaning and can be caused by a number of factors. Fading puppies can be related to puppies that are born during a difficult birth, mastitis in the mother, trauma from the mother, lack of milk production, or disease from the mother. Up to 40% of the puppies that do not survive do so from congenital causes, such as gastrointestinal defects, hydrocephalus, or heart defects. Puppies that have a low birth weight are at increased risk of fading puppy syndrome, and these puppies are at risk for dehydration, low blood sugar or hypoglycemia, low body temperature or hypothermia, and systemic infection. Puppies with low birth weight may have immature lung development, and if birth weight is reduced for the breed, survival rate is significantly reduced. Infectious diseases can also cause fading puppy syndrome, and puppies that do not receive colostrum, or first milk, in the first 12 to 16 hours of life do not receive antibodies from the mother to fight off infection. Signs of fading puppy syndrome include excessive crying, staying separated from the rest of the puppies, seem limp when picked up, and act weak. Some evidence indicates that homemade raw diets are nutritionally lacking and can lead to fading puppy syndrome. For puppies that do not receive colostrum, serum can be given. Most fading puppies need to be warmed and require fluid therapy due to hypothermia and dehydration. Dextrose administration is needed for hypoglycemia, and nutritional support is required to keep these puppies alive. Some puppies may require oxygen and antibiotics. So if you have a fading puppy, call your vet immediately. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Avian influenza is here in Texas, so how will it affect hunting this fall? Jessica Domel takes a look at that question in today's Wildlife Report. A highly contagious disease that frequently leads to the deaths of poultry, like chickens, and can impact waterfowl and migratory game birds has been found in Texas. As we told you on our last show, a good majority of geese and ducks have already migrated out of the state or are currently in the process of flying north. 
but the risk of highly pathogenic avian influenza remains. According to the American Farm Bureau Federation, officials have confirmed more than 600 cases of HPAI in wild birds across 31 states. Nearly 40 percent of those were in the central flyway, which includes Texas. That poses a risk to backyard and commercial poultry flocks, as well as the migrating birds that will return to the state in the fall. Texas Parks and Wildlife Biologists, we are responding to mortality events that we get from susceptible species, and then we are getting those specimens and sending them off to either the National Wildlife Health Center or Texas Veterinary and Medical Diagnostic Lab in College Station for diagnostics with regards to being positive for HPAI. A lot of waterfall species are just leaving, but they're obviously they're going to come back this next fall. So this probably is going to be something that we're going to monitor for quite some time here in Texas. That is Sean Oldenberger, Small Game Program Director for the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department. Upland game birds like doves, quail, and turkey appear to be susceptible to the disease. Oldenberger said at this time no regulation changes have been made for hunters in anticipation of the fall hunting seasons. He said the department will likely urge hunters to be careful handling susceptible birds to reduce the likelihood that infected birds will spread the virus to an unaffected part of the state. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. It was another day of higher grain prices and lower cattle prices Monday. We'll take a look back at all of Monday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Break out your camera and snap a pic for the Texas Farm Bureau Photo Contest. You or someone you know can share your best photo with the entire Lone Star State and maybe win some cash, like $250 for first place, $200 for second place, and $100 for honorable mention. The contest is open to Texas Farm Bureau members or an immediate family member. Rural settings and lifestyles are the preferred themes for all submissions and contestants are limited to one entry per person. Top four winners will be selected and published in the July edition of Texas Agriculture and the summer edition of Texas Neighbors. Snap your pick now for the Texas Farm Bureau Photo Contest. The entry deadline is June 1st. Visit TexasFarmBureau.org for complete contest rules. That's TexasFarmBureau.org. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The cattle market started out higher on Monday morning, but it could not hang on to those gains. When the corn market surged, that caused the cattle market to drop. We ended with April live cattle down 20 cents, 140.47, June down 62 at 135.80, while August live cattle dropped 95 cents, 137.37. Feeder cattle seeing an even bigger drop. April feeders down 242 at 155.77. May feeders down 2 62 at 159.15, while August feeder cattle were down 287, 171.47. Cash fed cattle market all quiet on a Monday. We wrapped up last week selling cattle a dollar higher at 139. Boxed beef was mixed Monday, choice down 201 at 270.61, select up 29 at 259.19. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. When you hear cattle beller, it's time to talk to Josh Tilkey, Carn City Auction Company. 
Josh, how was your last sale before the holiday, which was the 9th of April? Larry, it was a little bit quiet, but the market was sure rip-roaring all the way through uh, the 400 cattle we had. Let's walk the pins. Yes, sir. Like I said, market was strong on all the calves. Packer cows are still holding in there. Steers, 2 to 3 weight, 175 to 215. 3 to 4s, 155 to 190. 4 to 5 weight men, 152 to 185. 5 to 6s, 155 to 182. 6 to 7s, 145 to 160. Heifer mates, 2 to 3, 150 to 180. 3 to 4s, 140 to 165, 4 to 5s, 135 to 165, 6 to 7s, 130 to 148. Older bull yearlings, dollar fifteen to 130. Long heifer yearlings, a dollar bill to 115. The few bred cows we had, 975 to 1200. Packer cows, number one yield, 84 to 91 cents. Number two yield, 66 to 72. And the bulls, 95 to 115. We complemented those cattle with 270 sheep and goats going into this Easter holiday. Now, no sale this Easter week. That's right, Larry. No sale this week. Um, it continues to stay dry here in, in the corns and surrounding areas. So I think uh, two weeks drier, we're going to have a heck of a run uh, when we're open next Saturday. Tell everybody how to get a hold of you, Josh. If you can use any of our services, you call us here at the barn, 830-780-3382, or on the cell phone, 830-623-2855. And the motto down there? Long live, Cowboys, Larry. Thank you, Josh. Thank you, sir. Good night. Neighbor, I'm Larry Marble in Deep South Texas, reporting for Texas Ag Today. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now where lean hogs took a big jump higher on Monday. May hogs up 377, 116.52. June hogs up 392 at 122.40. Class 3 milk was lower. April milk down 3 cents, 24.30 a hundredweight, while May milk is down 36 cents at 25.10 a hundredweight. Big jump in the cotton market on Monday to kick off the week. Traders paying more and more attention to the West Texas drought. No rain in the forecast for West Texas for the coming week. The 6-10 to 10 day outlook does offer a slightly improved chance. But nonetheless, the drought keeping cotton traders on edge with May cotton up 276 points. 144.47. October cotton up 127 points at 129.46. December cotton up 99 to close at 123.47. The corn market continuing to climb higher on Monday. In fact, the two nearby contracts topped $8. The ongoing Russia-Ukraine war is continuing to push corn prices higher. May corn up 23 cents, 8.13 and a quarter. While new crop September corn was up 17 and a quarter, 7.66 a bushel. Wheat market sharply higher on Monday with July Kansas City wheat up 31 and three quarters, 11.89 a bushel. July Chicago wheat up 24 and a quarter at 11.28 and three quarters. In the energy markets, May natural gas up 47 cents, 7.77. May crude oil up 93 at 107.88 a barrel. The financial markets lower Monday afternoon. The Dow down 124 points at 34,327. The Nasdaq down 69 at 13,282. The S&P down 1 point, 4,391. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. My name is Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state on the planet. Texas Agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, 
check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.